Hello, everyone. Hello. Sorry, I'm super, I'm super excited right now. <laughs> um, because of the topic that we're about to talk about. But before we get to that, how are you, Maxi Boy? It's all good. It's been an exciting day. We talked about, I think we talked about an hour before we started recording the podcast. Uh, we were doing some catching up uh, because... We haven't talked that much. We usually sit and game together quite often, but we haven't talked that much this week because you were doing uh, some, some, let's say, studying of your own. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's been an exciting day because there there has been leaks on Microsoft and the Series One S, which will be a cheaper um, alternative to the Series One X console, and that's pretty cool. It's going to be two ninety nine dollars, and it's been launched officially on. On Twitter and I was like following Twitter today and checking out well that's I'm not an Xbox guy uh, but it's still you know it's an exciting product so it's fun and games for for gamers definitely uh, yeah and also we were talking about the uh, the Steam hardware and software survey that just came out uh, for August yeah previously. every month uh, Steam has this hardware survey that they show the public uh, basically showing off their the game the player base and what kind of hardware they use and there are some cool statistics there uh, and some surprising ones as well yeah yeah the, definitely i was very surprised when uh when i checked it out to be honest i mean it's it's very clear that uh most most people run on much lower end hardware than you would imagine to be honest um that's just because it's it's more mainstream and and of ec economical financial reasons as well um, yeah probably yeah and probably people are basically not as high highly educated in terms of what's the difference between this thing uh 1060 in comparison to 1080 uh do i really need those 10 fps or whatever yeah changes yeah, and it's, you know, I think more, not all people just build their PCs. I think that the general masses are buying pre-built PCs. Yeah, true. So they're, they're kind of relying on what these guys that supposedly are experts will, will advise them to buy when they go and buy a new PC. Um, exactly. Yeah. But that wasn't what we were supposed to talk about today, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> the reason why I was so hyped is because today's episode is about game engine architecture and game engines in general. And the the general question here would be, would you, in these times, do you need a game engine that is made for you? Or do you want to go back to basics and create your own? Yeah, yeah. And it's a good question, because I mean, you have so much support in in unity and uh unreal for example and there are a bunch more like godot and i uh, i don't i don't know how many game engines there are out there but there are many game engines blender um, is actually becoming a game engine oh that's interesting yeah they have this i don't know what it's called but it's basically creating game within blender which is a cool thing because all of a sudden you don't have to jump between software uh for modeling and sculpting and actual gameplay mm, that's cool that's really cool um, but i don't know how how well it does in comparison yeah i mean unity and unreal are pretty big right now so i, I it's hard to imagine 
a new competitor, but I guess I mean they'll they'll oh, find some user base. There are a lot of comparison. Uh, I mean, uh, comparable game engines out there. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, if we don't talk about these, uh, the game engines that are proprietary for like Dice, the the Frostbite engine, and oh yeah, uh, those kinds. But there are a lot of game engines out there. Yeah. Uh, Lumberyard is probably probably the one that is on the on the uprise uh, that you're probably going to see more about. Um, mm-hmm. It's the Amazon. Amazon basically went and bought or did something with the CryEngine and forked the game engine into their own and made it integrate with Twitch and all of their services. Oh, that's cool, actually. Yeah, uh, it's it's a cool, it's a really high-end game engine. Uh, yeah, because I know that Crytek they they had financial problems. Like I don't exactly. remember how many years ago they were closing down offices, and I can't really remember if they released the source code to to the Crytek engine. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, but I don't I don't know if it was uh, what kind of a license there was. Uh, I'm guessing True. that it wasn't really open source, and that's why Amazon went out and did something with the code. Yeah, and. You can actually take the Lumberyard and it's it's open source. You can't create your game your own game engine out of it and sell it. I don't think that it is that open, but you can go in and tweak it as as you like. And, and of course and create go, a game with it, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. it's basically it's basically competing with the Unreal Engine in terms of licenses. Okay. Well that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And then you have the Godot. Uh, which is basically a 2D game engine. Uh, another one that is really uh, popular, <laughs> I really don't know why, but JMonkey. It's oh, yeah, a game that's engine true. In, in, in Java, Java yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, we had um, at work, I was working for this consulting company for a, a while ago now, but um, and there was um, this... Um, they they had some uh, diploma students do uh, do some work for them because here in Sweden you when you're doing to get your diploma you have to finish a uh, diploma work um, what do you call it project not project but yeah you have to you have to do something to get to get your diploma and that's uh, basically at least a half a year right I'm if I'm correct um, and and you can you can choose to either go via the university or you can go out to companies usually companies want some students to do some work for for them uh in terms of new new whatever tools uh and and so on and you have to write a report and you have to present to present your work um and we had a couple of students that did a car game which was designed for stroke patients um so they would doctors could check how well patients had recovered after a stroke because this car game was basically you drive down a road and then you got different different stimuli um like okay now you have to press because there was a you you would use a gaming um steering wheel uh, with buttons on it so it would give you visual hints like now you have to press left and right so it it kind of tested sim- simultaneous uh, um, ability and 
how well they were following the road and that that one was actually written in jmonkey <laughs> which was you know i'm not a big java fan um and yeah from what i gather you're only c plus plus and c plus plus only oh no no the, not really entirely c plus plus but c plus plus pre 2011 right, or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> like really I, I have coded in in 2011 2014 i haven't in 2017 yet um but uh yeah i mean i'm a c slash c plus plus guy um that's what networking <laughs> network coding and real-time systems and stuff does to you you basically have to use that <laughs> <laughs> but uh actually when i was um when I was at that company, we were doing a, I was doing work of transferring that game to Unity actually from JMonkey because oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I don't, I didn't like the code was a bit messy. Uh, it didn't want me. It didn't want to do what I was, what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, Sounds no, no, like no, no, screw this. Programmer problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't you work that? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it was like a multi-threading issue as well that I couldn't really uh get to terms with so i was like now we're we're getting this to into unity because it's far far more simple we can get better graphics out of it but yeah you know jmonkey is there it exists i've, I've been there <laughs> I, I won't go back again sorry <laughs> <laughs> so the question remains do should you in 2020 create your own game engine or should you um use a pre-existing one yeah well, uh, from my ex from my experience uh, and from my perspective, you should most definitely not create your own game engine, and that is because uh, whenever you create a game, you have to weigh what is more important for you. Do you want to create the game, or do you want to create the game engine? And if if the work if the question or the answer to that question is create a game engine, then you should probably not create games because then you're <laughs> basically a technical guy, and your games will probably not really reflect the things that the player is looking for. Yeah. Uh, on the contrary, if you if you really like to create games and you want you to get your games out there, then I would say go for a for a pre-existing game engine, such as Unity or the ones that we just described. Yeah. I mentioned. Well, I, I mean, it's but, it's yeah, uh, it's about time as well. It's a great exactly. time investment to create your own game engine. I think pe people need to know that it takes time. So it yeah. takes a hell of a time to create yeah. your own game engine. Yeah. Um, just to give a small sample of the things that you need to have in a game engine, you do need to have some kind of visual effects thing. Basically, have sprites and particle systems um, flying around here and there. You need to have some kind of an anim animation system. Uh, of course, you need to ask yourself, is this a 3D engine or is it a 2D game engine? Yeah. Uh, so if you have a 3D game engine or a 2D game engine, there needs to be some kind of an animation thing going on as well. And yeah. you have both skeletal animations, you have uh, sprite animations, you have camera systems, uh, the rendering stuff, the multiplayer stuff, the audio stuff, uh, collision of physics. Maybe you need you want to have some kind of a collision system there, uh, or some kind of a physics-based thing, uh, which means you need to have a lot of you need to have a foundation of how linear algebra uh, works. Exactly, you need a math class for for those computations. Yeah, you need to have a math foundation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which 
could be used as well for the camera system, etc. Uh, but then also you need to know the what kind of a hardware you're working working on, which means you need to have some kind of a memory allocator somewhere, and yeah. you need to be able to debug your stuff. <laughs> and then you probably want to have some kind of a in-game cheat thing that you can just uh, enable stuff and disable stuff. Yeah. Um, and of course, if you want to use it on Windows or Mac or whatever, you have different I/O stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> just by mentioning these couple of small things here, you can imagine that a game engine, uh, a full-fledged game engine, let's say, um, is a full-time endeavor, which yeah. could basically take take you your whole life until you finish and perfect. Yeah, because I mean, look at these guys. It's like Unreal launched when ninety eight or something. It was, and 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 they've been or ninety seven maybe or maybe even earlier. I can't remember, but it, it's pretty early. And these guys have been sitting and basically building this game engine for years and years now. So they they will have such an advantage over you starting today as one person. It's the same with Unity. Um, They've been doing this for a while now, and they're a company that are devoted to building this game engine. Sure, there are you know there are stuff where they have to make it generic and and make it so that developers can interact with it very easily. But I mean, you would have to do that with your game engine as well, because I mean, you have to control the game engine somehow. There needs to be an interface to the game engine. You can't just create a new game engine for every new game you're going to make. You need to create something generic. And also, you know, uh, we talked about sound and camera system and collisions and, you know, detecting collisions and stuff. That's you, you have to build a math library with linear algebra to, to calculate all these things. And um, like you said, Juice, it's like small things, but most of these things are not specifically small. I mean, they're big endeavors to take on. So you, you kind of need to be prepared for that. And also, like you said, you know, are you working on a Linux system or are you working on a Windows system? And do you want to be able to cross compile stuff um, to, to be able to run games on other other systems like a Nintendo Switch or uh, things like that. And then you have file importer because you're going to need to take in assets in, in some way, right? So uh, it's a big project. I mean, yeah. Yeah, At and least. it depends on if, you, if you're going to use it internally uh, or if you want to use it as like Unity or Unreal Engine uh, as, a, as a general purpose game engine that is out there for other others to make use of. Yeah. Uh, because if you're just going to use it internally, you can you can actually op optimize your workflow geared toward that game engine. Say that if you if you use Blender for 3D modeling and you have a 3D skeletal animation th system in in your uh, game engine, now of course you need to import the the FBX or the uh, the model into the game en engine first. Uh, so you need to have some kind of a loader. That in itself can be an optimization because you can you can specify that whenever you want to use this game engine, you need to be exporting it with this file. Uh, what is it called? File ending? File type. No, yeah. File format. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you need to have this file format uh, in order to, to process it. And when, whenever you do have those decisions made for you, then all of a sudden you can just scrap OBJ 
loaders because you don't need them. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to have any. I don't know. I mostly use FBX files. So yeah, but you know, oh, Collada, for instance, uh, that's yeah. one yeah. file format that is used. Uh, but you don't need those because of your restrictions and the things that you set by yourself. Yeah, that's um, that's very true. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, when I'm when I'm thinking that, well, if I were a, de- a game developer starting out today, and I was asking myself the question, you know, should I build my own game engine or should I use an existing one like Unity or Unreal? Um, it's like, what can't Unity and Unreal do that your game engine would be able to do? And, and you know, it's we can also turn the question around and, and say, how can I simplify? Because let's say I'm just interested in doing 2D games and I don't need all the complexity of Unity. It's like it, there's there are too many features. I don't need all of those. I just need my 2D features. Um, but at the same time, you're thinking, okay, so how can I simplify my workflow and my game engine to suit my needs in a way that Unity or Unreal can't be uh, simplified, for example? That's a hard question. Yeah, you're actually touching on a uh, really cool thing there that I haven't really, that hasn't really crossed my mind. Um, instead of creating your own, there's a third option. Uh, which is basically creating plugins to those game engines yourself. Yeah. So you can you can actually use the game engine to create a game, but in order to simplify your workflow or optimize it, if you will, uh, you could create you should create plugins and tools for the game engines themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's some stuff with the UI, uh, especially on the Unreal Engine part that I really don't like. It's really cluttered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you can just like, remove them, right? And create your own uh, menus and stuff and customize the interface to your needs. Yeah. Uh, but that also takes quite some time. And you need to add in resources to that as well. Now, the question is, why wouldn't you then just go ahead and use the, the time that you would invest in creating those plugins into actually reading up on the game engine uh, itself and become proficient in it. Yeah. Um, there is something to say about creating your own game engine because I've done it. Uh, I really love it. And I'm in this, I always get back to this create your own game engine mode that I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, whenever I want to go into something, whenever I want to create a game, I always do this hell out of research and I always get into these modes to just test out stuff. And in this game that I'm creating right now, there is a system that I want to have. I want to create a level design system for me. And of course I could just create my own level design tool. Uh, and that is what I am uh, looking into right now. I'm reading up on this really great book 
anyone who knows how to read should probably read <laughs> Game Engine Gems. <laughs> if you don't know how to read, learn how to read, and then you you and read this read book. <laughs> this is the first book you read, okay? <laughs> Even if you're not interested in game engines at all, it's it's just <laughs> it's this just is, like you wake up, you open the book, and you read it until yeah. you're finished with it. You don't sleep, you don't eat, you don't <laughs> use the bathroom, or if you do, just take the book with you <laughs> uh, no uh, seriously this game this book is really great and they they talk about different game engines that do different things and i'm in one of the places right now and one of the chapters that uh, that optimizes memory and memory usage and for a game developer or say a software developer a developer in general you don't think much in terms of uh, how you allocate memory. You just do it. Often yeah. times you create you create classes, and the classes do something. You do have some kind of a memory thing, and you have pointers here and there. But you don't really think in terms of memory and how that memory is stored in 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 chunks and the uh, the addresses here and there. And of course, it depends on which uh, area you work in. But yeah. this game, when when it comes to gaming, even one millisecond can be really important because you do this in frame after frame, sixty frames per second or one hundred twenty, depending on the, the the specs that you do. Uh, say sixty hertz or thirty FPS or whatever. Uh, so imagine allocating memory all the time and deallocating that are that just wasteful that's just wasteful resource management yeah and it uh, depends on which devices you're you want to be on as well because some devices yeah, true. actually physically limit you to whatever you know it's like you it, nintendo switch is a classic example right now just because you know you want to be on a Nintendo Switch, you're just gonna have to do some compromising. That's how it is because it's a mobile platform, and at the same time not as powerful and doesn't offer you the same flexibility that you would have with other platforms like PS4 or Xbox or PC, right? So you know, yeah, exactly. it, it's it's also like you said. I, I like that thing where because now you know i've always if somebody would ask me i'm i'm we're on the same page here but if if somebody would ask me today like oh you know i'm thinking about um creating a game uh should i uh, create my uh, my own game engine i would say like no <laughs> you know it's like immediate no why would you do yeah. that there's no point yeah. but um not knowing uh, i haven't developed for something like the switch i know that unity has support for it um yeah and the thing is, I don't know how much you can actually control um, regarding memory allocation and optimization that you could do in your own game engine, for example. I don't know how, how much you can, uh, how much control Unity gives you. Or if you just tell Not Unity. Yeah, exactly. Be yeah. Because you, you everything right now, uh, they they are actually changing this in 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 this new ECS system. Uh, but right now you create C, C sharp classes, which in turn get some kind of a uh, representation in the C plus uh, plus part of the game engine. And there's a connection between the C sharp code and the C plus plus code. Yeah. Now we're digging really deep into the uh, 
into the game engine and how yeah, it but that's works. good that's good um and that thing there where you create the the connection between them is really important because people don't know this whenever you create a c sharp class whenever you talk to some new indie game dev guy who says that unity is a c sharp game engine is actually wrong because it's a c plus plus game engine mm. with the c sharp scripting language yeah uh, just as the Unreal Engine is a C++ game engine, but with a Blueprint uh, C, C++ scripting part. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyhow, uh, the only thing that you can do in C Sharp uh, in in C in Unity uh, as of today is you create your classes, you state what kind of uh, what, what, no, so not really just classes, also the structs. There's a difference. There's a distinction between a struct in C sharp and a class, uh, whereas in C plus it's basically the same thing, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, in in so what you can do is you can state that you want to have a uh, that you want to have a struct, which is basically allocating memory on the stack and uh, creating an instance of a class, which is creating uh, basically a reference type, uh, something that is on the heap. So that's the only way you can you can control it. Of course, you can have uh, pools and those those kinds of things, but that's basically just masking out stuff. Yeah, yeah. You don't really you don't really get the address of those those objects. You yeah. just you just so, create so you don't get list. that detailed control anyway. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Now that's that's how it is today. In the whenever the ECS system comes out uh, from their technical uh, when they when they verify the package of the ECS, they're going to go more and more more and more towards controlling stuff yourself. They have this thing called native I think it's called native array, which is creating a C array for you and you have you actually need to be controlling when you're you're freeing the allocation yourself. Yeah. Uh, which which class is the owner of that allocation, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, uh, it's, th those, those things are both positive and negative because the, the big problem with, with C++ uh, is that people often get memory leaks just because you're not really, um, some people don't know, you know, they don't have a programming background. Some, some people have a programming background, but they do make mistakes because we're people. So we do make mistakes. Um, and it's, it's, a like, you know, uh, it's both positive and negative because for those people that actually, you know, know what they're doing, um, then, then it's, it's very nice because you can, you can optimize uh and you can you can um, manage your your memory allocation in a very very um low granular way where you can manage basically everything um for some people that's too much control because they don't care and some people don't know um for so, the most part it's just too much control anyway yeah exactly yeah um so so it's um you know it's it's hard i think it's it's very hard to to kind of know what's the appropriate level maybe it should be dynamic maybe you should be able to choose right if you care about memory allocation or not 
because that's a that's a nice thing with Java. I mean, that's what you do in C plus plus with the new uh, newer versions. Exactly, and that's what I don't like. <laughs> 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 it's like they're. Yeah. I don't want a Java. Uh, of course, it's not on the same level, and they're not running a virtual machine. But you know, the idea behind Java is actually very nice because you're saying. Well, you know, you're building a cross-platform application where you don't actually have to do anything for it to be cross-platform. You don't have, you know, you're just coding our thing. You don't have to care about memory allocation. They do have their own garbage collector and stuff. Um, and it does have its applications, right? I mean, it it's very, very easy to build web stuff. It's very easy to build whatever simple type application that you want to build uh, because it's running in this virtual machine and the virtual machine will make sure that this is cross-platform compatible so you don't have to cross-compile stuff and you know all that yeah that exactly you, you have to do with c++ so you're but it has it down its downsides as well because you, but because you can't control memory allocation um, yeah so and yeah. that's actually a, a good a good thing because i think having too much control like you said previously is just uh, it's wasting more resources than you get back uh, you, you actually waste what is it? i mean human resources uh, you you get more uh, you get more problems from the ones that create bad code more yeah. than the ones that create kind of okay code give yeah. you the reward for it so uh the, the trade-off there is how much do you how how far do you go and one of the, like i said the chapter here uh that talks about this actually goes into a couple of algorithms that, that you can use to overload basically the the new operator in in c++ and create a, some kind of a memory manager so whenever you actually call the new stuff it goes in and uh, manages it asks this object uh, can you give me a chunk of memory basically yeah and i did the, that yeah and it's really good it's really cool uh, and having those kinds of small tweaks which give you one millisecond here and there will in the end give you uh, a super boost yeah uh, i mean i i i did that for some other projects where i i created basically my own garbage collector that worked kind of like i wanted it to work yeah. with a new with an allocator an allocator yeah. class let's call it um and i mean that's that's the power of c++ because you do have all that flexibility but on the other hand you know with flexibility you're gonna end up in like you said it's i mean for Sorry, people I'm, that, I'm laughing yeah i know but you know for people that don't know what they're doing in c++ yeah. c++ might be a should is probably a nightmare because they're constantly spending time troubleshooting stuff right i mean yeah. i wrote something i have a memory leak here i don't know why i'm constantly not deallocating stuff on the heap right so for people that don't know the stack is being deallocated uh, automatically for you the heap is where you uh, store permanent stuff <laughs> and you have to manually deallocate them that's that's yeah. the gist of it and you have to know what stuff is getting allocated on the heap and what gets allocated on the stack in c++ this is very important this is like it's actually key. the same in in, uh, in c sharp for instance or the i mean in unity and the other game engines 
the reason why I was laughing there was you said something almost as fun as I heard it in my head. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but in this case, with great, what was it you said? With great control comes uh, troubleshooting. <laughs> troubleshooting, something like that. That's why I was laughing. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is like that because new developers yeah. in C plus plus that haven't thought about this before, because you you do have in the developing world there there's kind of right now you're oh you're a full stack developer, but you know what does that mean and and most most people are coding c sharp and 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 they're moving away from c++ and these types of things just because in c++ it's enough with you know some people that don't really know what they're doing to add a lot of headache to your product basically um and that is it's true for every other kind of language as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's it and it depends on what type of troubleshooting you're doing because it's in C++ it's not always easy and things crash and you get memory leaks and you have to hunt them down and it's a lot of fiddly stuff that people really don't want to do anymore. They just, you know, they 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 don't want to think about those things. I like to think about those things, but I'm a networking guy. Networking guys, we love memory. We love uh, um, allocating stuff, freeing stuff, making our own classes, you know, encoding packets uh, in a more optimized way. Uh, but there are very few of us left, sadly. Extinct. <laughs> 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 yeah, we are, we are, uh, you know, like uh, slowly but surely going extinct. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's about, I mean, and the same thing is, think, is in the game engines, you know. About I think control. one of the reasons for that is because in the educational systems, you get to learn object-oriented design, right? But yeah. object-oriented design works for a certain kind of a problem. That doesn't really work for game engines if you want to have a super high-end, uh, super highly optimized game that works well for every architecture. Because we think in objects humans think so in objects but the game engines i mean the 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 hardware that you're working on really don't think in those terms of like uh i have a minion and this minion has a sword okay and then i have another minion and that minion has a sword it thinks in terms of all of the minions should be stored here all of the uh the swords should be stored here and there is some kind of a mapping between those two and whenever you want to have a, an animation system that works on something of an entity, you can basically say that, hey, give me all the minions uh, that have this kind of a component on them. Yeah. And then do this animation on them. Yeah. Doing it like that basically chunks a whole lot of data in a small space, which is exactly what the hardware wants you to have. And that is basically the the, the gist of design uh what is it called data oriented design yeah yeah and it sounds yeah it sounds cool i i think you know one thing i was one thing i was thinking about is that one reason you might want to create your game engine would be as a test just to understand all the things that are going on in a game engine yeah you should definitely do it in uh, if you want to understand understand how game engines work uh, if you want to just get to just to have your 
hands dirty. Uh, you should definitely create some kind of a game engine. You shouldn't probably create every aspect of a game engine. I mean, if you want to learn how lighting works in game engines, then for all means, create uh, a lighting system. But you shouldn't, I would say you shouldn't tackle having the networking stuff done for you. Uh, I mean, done yourself. It's probably better to just import some kind of library that does networking for you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, much easier. Exactly. But you could, I mean, go in and do small stuff within the game engine. Uh, and you should probably go into the Unreal Game Engine or any other open source game engine and just look at the source code. How does it work? Because one of the reasons why this is a good skill to have is whenever you go into an interview at a game engine software company, <laughs> um, you could just show off, hey, this is what I did. And they love these kinds of things, especially if you're going to work with the game engine. You really need to have some kind of a deeper understanding of how a game engine works and how all the problems you need to tackle in order to get a game engine to work on all systems that are required and uh, all the subsystems that work within a game engine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you're gonna use a tool, it's it's always nice to um, know what's happening underneath, at least in some aspects, just so you get more understanding for the tool, because then it's gonna make more sense for you why all of this is like this and not like not any other way. Because I mean, some engines like for me, I I think both you and me have a hard time with Unreal Engine. It's it's not my cup of tea. I. I love the engine graphics. It's like I I do love the graphics it produces. I I I think it's awesome and I think it's a great product. Um but for me the the UI stuff is just, you know, what? And I I haven't I haven't really taken my time to actually understand how everything is linked together because if you do that, of course you're going to you know, you're gonna understand, well, oh yeah, that's why you need to do this to do that and blah, blah, blah. Um, so having having an understanding for the tools that you want to use is, is great just because then you understand in which way you're supposed to use them or at least how they want them, how they want you to use the tool and that will make everything easier. Uh, for me, like I, I wanted to do some simple stuff in Unreal just to, to get going. Uh, some simple animation stuff uh, and I found it so hard just because I didn't understand the concept I was like well okay how how do they want me to think here what do they want me to do how is this all linked together you know with blueprints and all this and all that um, for unity I found it much easier I think that yeah. unity have succeeded with uh, with making it easier for new developers and people that maybe I've never used anything like this before um, to understand how they should code their game together. It's, it's not always that you require coding. I'm, I'm going to automatically go there just because I feel comfortable with it. But it's interesting to see that how their approach is so, so nice, you know, so self-explanatory in some way. Um, you just yeah it's really it's really what is it called scaled down they really yeah have removed all the clutter 
which is yeah. a really good thing. I want to just make a, a, a small distinction there, or correction there. It's not that I don't like Unreal Engine. It's not re- that I don't really like the, the game, engine, game engine itself. I'm just a UI kind of a guy, and I really love uh, things that make me get somewhere quickly. Yeah. And the Unreal Engine does that for you if you are a an artist or someone who doesn't really code that much or think in code uh, that much. But in terms of gameplay and those kinds of th- systems, there are a lot of subsystems within the game engine uh, that do stuff for you, which is a cool thing. One of the things that I don't like with Unity, for instance, is that they lack an AI uh, engine. They, they don't have any AI whatsoever. Yeah. You'd basically need to buy a package or some free stuff that is on the asset store. There there are stuff coming out, and they are working on it, uh, but that's one of the things that I don't like with the yeah. Unity engine. On the contrast, on, on uh, contrasting to that, the game engine, the I mean, the Unreal Engine has an, uh, a full-fledged AI system, which works really well, and is done in a data-oriented way. Um, but like I said, the UI, I really don't like the UI. And also, I <laughs> this is also a personal opinion, I really hate the motion blur things within the, <laughs> the game engine. <laughs> I can't stress this enough. It's really bugging me. Every time I see a game that is made with Unreal Engine, where, where the artist basically just skipped all of the art stuff uh, made uh, done for you from the beginning, Within the game engine, the post processing stack, the uh, the controls, etc. You basically can pinpoint every game that is made by those people uh, because yeah. they have the same uh, the motion blur. And yeah, having a motion blur does add to your gameplay, but it certainly doesn't do you any good if you just are going to go out of the box with it. On the contrast, game engine, the the Unity engine doesn't give you anything for free. You need to do it for yourself. You need to add a post processing stack, uh, and also choose what post processing uh, stuff you want to have uh, done for you. Yeah, yeah. I think we we talked about this. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on on the podcast or not, but I know that we have talked about it. That the, I mean, the down the. <laughs> The good side of of how Unreal is doing stuff is that you can get a beautiful game up and running fairly quickly. The downside of that is that you'll just look like every other Unreal Engine game, right? So it's going to be kind of this uniform thing where you're using what they're providing and it ends up looking similarly. I mean, you can have like an asset, you, you have asset differences and maybe some art differences and stuff, but still you get that same core visual of of unreal where it's very very unreal like right <laughs> where we're in unity yeah, i know that nice made no pun. sense <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you you <laughs> you're you're getting where where i'm going but in you yeah. you know in unity since you have to do all of this you you're getting a very very unique look and feel to the game um so but that's you know but the drawback is that you really have to add all these different elements you have to tweak them so so they look exactly like like you wanted uh, you're not getting anything out of the box so you know it's it's um 
it's a hard decision to make. I mean, some people I know, they really like the UI of, of Unreal Engine. And they're just, you know, happy with that. And they just love it. For me and for you as well, we, we had a hard time with that UI. I mean, really hard time. Um, and what's bugging me is that um, when you look at tutorials, because it was like, yeah, well, you know, you need to look at tutorials and, and you need to understand what's going on and how everything is. Um, when <laughs> you look at tutorials and it's like, well, you know, I don't have that in my Unreal Engine. My Unreal Engine looks totally different than that guy's <laughs> because they probably customized their Unreal Engine UI, right? To do what what they want to do and it's like well how do i get to that window because <laughs> i wanted to go to some animation window and uh i couldn't find it i mean i couldn't find it i was like spent 10 hours <laughs> on it it's like i couldn't find that window where is this thing <laughs> and that's you know th those are things that are bugging i mean it's spending that much time on a thing when you're actually you just want to make your game you just want to focus on i want to make this game this is my game my concept i i want to make an rpg i want to make a puzzle game i want to make whatever i want to focus on that i don't want to focus on where do i find this window this damn window where is it right <laughs> yeah. it's just a waste of time it's it's all the time that you're spending not working on your game uh when you're actually supposed to sit down and work is a waste of time that's just, you know, if you have to spend one hour on finding a window or an animation stuff or whatever, that's a waste of time. You're that's just time that isn't productive in any way because you're just you're just searching for this window in the game engine. So, yeah, that's that's a plus that, for creating your own game engine. Then you don't exactly, have to waste that was, time. That was exactly the thing that I wanted to say there. Yeah. Trap, you you were a bit more... Uh, I was faster, yeah. You were faster, yeah. yeah. I, was, uh, I was thinking, yeah, you should create your own game engine in, uh, in those cases where you are really bugged by the AI, I mean, AI, I mean the UI. Uh, but there's also... You get, you get stuff that come for free and whenever you have a game engine that you create right you need to have systems in place for you to debug your code yeah i say that you do have uh, visual studio or whatever that you create and you get these free debugging tools but what happens when you have you need to debug it on the actual console you need to build your own uh, kind of a debugger or uh, you, well of course you get tools from the different manufacturers but when you do this, your own game engine, and you're going to say Nintendo and say, "Hey, this is a, we're we're about to create a game engine. Can we have your SDK?" They're probably going to say no, because you have nothing to show for. Yeah. So you need to have that in mind as well. It's not just something that you create out of the box. Of course, it's really fun. It's really really uh, time consuming to just dive into all the bits and pieces of the game engine especially if you're into animation that i am or storytelling etc you could create a dialogue system for instance and uh, whenever you have this dialogue system you want to have a visual representation of which paths the dialogue take right mm -hmm. so whenever you talk to a guy uh, say that you want to have a quest and you have this quest system in place and you have a dialogue system in place that every character uh, dialogue 
is adhering to. So whenever you talk to, to some guy, you're, you need to be in some kind of a state. So you need to have some kind of a state system that keeps track of whatever state you're in. Uh, and depending on which state you're in, that dialogue needs to be uh, giving you different kinds of options. Uh, say that you lack a certain sword. The, the character says, hey, I'm sorry, you need to have this sword in order to go on this quest because this vampire can only be killed by the sword of true destiny. Uh, in contrast to the one that's <laughs> a sword that is of the false destiny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you get you, you get my point. I mean, yeah, you need yeah. uh, whenever you create just a small mechanic in the game, you need to have your systems in place, and that yeah. is time consuming. Time consuming, uh, but also really fun to get uh, in place. And especially if you're if you want to create. Not a game, but tools for games. If you want to go out there and you want to work on dice, uh, at dice, and you say, I want to work on your Frostbite uh, engine, uh, then you have to actually show them, have you ever done anything remotely connected to a game engine? And yeah. whenever you show them that, hey, I have this super cool physics system that I created, uh, which approximates gravity to 10 instead of 9.82 because I want to have these integer manipulation stuff, bits, bit fiddling here and there in order to get the calculations faster. That's where, when, when you can have a discussion on that level with the game engine designers, uh, you're in a good place. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there's also the thing where if you're... If you're working with an existing game engine, the UI stuff will, you know, you're, they're they're gonna happen once or twice where you're searching for for things, and then you're gonna get used to it, right? So that that part where it's time consuming um, happens only once, probably, um, and and then while when you're learning as you're learning the game engine more and more and more you're going to get faster at producing other new games or your existing game or whatnot. When you're starting to, as you know, the longer you use it, the more you'll get used to the UI and the workflow that the, that the game engine wants you to follow. And you're going to optimize that workflow and, and it's going to get better. So Yeah, and, you're, you're probably going to write some tools for you. Exactly. If, if, there's yeah. some, if there's something that you're doing over and over again, uh, just do something. Uh, I know in this in this game they're creating that I'm creating right now. I have a ton of assets and a lot of scripts going on. And one of the things that I don't like with Unity is that you can't really move things around in a fast way. So say I, that I have 300 assets. I have 10 different kinds of minions, and every minion has 10 different classes. And uh, you have a bunch of these. Say that all of a sudden you want to move the those assets from the models folder into uh, a folder that is more related to where these features, these minions or enemies are seen within the game. Say that you have a desert level, you have a cemetery level, you have uh, a cloud level, a jungle, etc., and you want the the folder structure to reflect that. The Unity engine doesn't really provide you with a good way to do that, to move those around. 
So what I've done is I just went in, created my own tool. Uh, it's really easy. It's really simple. There's a lot of good uh, documentation on their webpage. And all, all I do is I select the ones that I want. I press get selections. Uh, and then I go to the folder that I want. And then I can choose to either copy them or just move them there. And then it's done for me. Now, that's a simple, simple, really simple thing. But it, whenever you do this, uh, say, 10 times, you get real frustrated. And oh, I've done this, I don't know how many times, not only with this game, but with a bunch of other games that I've created. And it gets annoying. Yeah, yeah. So that's one way to, to optimize your workflow. And one way to choose not to create your own game engine, but to make use of one and uh, just customize it to your needs. Now, of course, this was a trivial thing to do, but still. Yeah, you can do more complicated things, of course. Yeah. And and the, the nice thing about that is that um, you'll always have this. So you can use it not only for this game, but also the next game and the the game after that. So you're, you're preserving these different tools and, and plugins that you're building for uh for uh, the game engine and and you can use them in the future as well so it's not like you know you have to build them for one time use and and waste time you just you spend time on it once and then you have this new tool that you can use to make it more easy for you to to work and and optimize your your workflow even more so it's uh it's just uh, it's a good way to spend time on these additional tools that will make your life simpler because they will always make your life simpler. Not uh, only that, you can actually get rich on them as well. Oh yeah, that's true. Because uh, you can you can sell them, right? Exactly. Uh, one of the things that happened just recently is that uh, one of the packages, actually Unity buys a whole lot of packages all the time. Whenever there is a package that, that they see that, hey, this is something that we should integrate into our game engine, instead of creating an Create, creating this thing ourselves, we could just throw out a bunch of money on this and buy it. And that is actually a strategy that game engine designers and, uh, well, software designers anywhere uh, do all the time. Because throwing, say, uh, 100K on an asset that would take you, say, three months to create yourself is probably better to just throw money. It's probably just better and more time efficient and cost efficient to just throw that 100k to the developer of the the thing that was created that they they're, they're so interested in. And this is what happened recently with uh, the Unity Bolt asset. Bolt was bought by Unity and is now the official uh, visual scripting package for Unity. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. And this was basically a guy who really just wanted to create uh, a tool, right? So there, I think there are more than just one guy now. But anyway, uh, they created just a tool for a game engine, and this was bought. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, they've already done the work, and, and to put your own developers on it for X amount of months is probably going to be much more costly. Um, yeah, and, and probably not as uh, as stable. Yeah, and tested like yeah. the other ones. I mean, there's the, the person that did that 
probably spend time improving it and uh, running through iterations and fixing bugs and all that. So they came up with a pretty mature product already. So yeah. why not get that? I mean, there's no there's no reason for for them uh, Unity in this instance to go go out and say, well, you know, we need to create a similar tool to this. Uh, make sure it's good because you know they're gonna go through the same process all over again of improving it and fixing bugs and blah blah and that takes time and and costs money so it's just better to um, to just go and and buy that and also it's much better for um, for the actual developer of the tools just because I mean if they did develop their own it would mean that basically you're putting that developer out of business because what you're saying is like, well, oh, you had this really cool tool that you earned some money on and now we're making our own and we're making it default in our game engine, which means that probably not many people will buy that unless the one you created really sucks, of course. But uh, if it's decent then people will, will never go and, and buy that. So it's just better to buy that off than in, in that way you're giving that developer some some money that well deserves yeah, money cred. and yeah. some cred, yeah. Um, then just, you know, putting them completely out of business. Because, um, I mean, they could do that. They, they could because they have the financial resources, but it's just a much nicer way to, to handle things as well. So you're getting and a good product, they're getting money and, and so on. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I was just thinking in terms of uh, the questions that we initially set out to answer. Should you create your own game engine? Um, well, this is one kind, of, one kind of an answer. Instead of creating a whole game engine, you could just create a part of a game engine and sell it to, or create plugins to, uh, to the game engines. Yeah. Now... Uh, there's a similar thing that happened previously with Epic Games and Unreal Engine. Uh, there's this thing called, uh, what is it called? Megascans. Now, there's a team, I think they're Swedish, uh, or at least they're somewhere from around here. Okay. Uh, they were creating, they set out to take the whole world, I think it's on their webpage. Uh, where they said they they set out into the world to create a 3D version of it, basically. Uh, what that meant was they went out and 3D scanned everything uh, <laughs> from every part of the yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> they they really did this, and if you look at the some of the newer games that are for photorealistic, like uh, Tomb Raider, for instance. Uh, and I think the Uncharted series does this as well. Uh, the foliage that you can see in the games is basically uh, the uh, taken from the mega scans. Okay, uh, it's really cool. And they previously did uh, some work for Unity, but now just a couple of months, maybe a year now. It was quite a while ago, I think. Uh, Epic Games went ahead and bought the whole company. Yeah. So this is not part of the Unreal Engine thing. So uh, Unity people have, I don't know what the, the licenses are uh, for that right now, but basically what this means is that if you set out to create a tool for a game engine, you could get bought up. So yeah. you, don't, you don't have to create 
a full-fledged game engine. No. I'm actually really into physics right now. And I've, I've, I've always been, I like physics and physics engines. Uh, and I said I had to create my own sometime in the past. Uh, and I'm really, when I read up on this uh, with, within the Game Engine Gems book that I recommend, I really, really recommend them. Um, I really want to go in and create this physics engine. <laughs> and having, <laughs> of course, there are some really cool game engines, uh, physics engines out there, and I'm probably not going to uh, compete with them. But it's still something that I find really interesting because it lets me, it focuses me in a an area of a game engine where I still can use stuff that I learned and invested a lot of time in uh, during the education, uh, as well as after education during my spare times. Yeah. Well, I just saw that we passed our mark. Holy crap, so, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's it's okay. We just, I mean, we just passed it, literally. We're one minute and 14 seconds in, so, or one hour and 14 seconds, sorry. Um, but I guess that what we're saying is you can create a game engine to um, understand the underlying stuff that's going on in a game engine, but you know, as far as going to create a full-fledged game engine, um, I would say no, unless you have a very, very specific use case where none of the other game engines out there provide what you need. Um, but, you know, otherwise, it's just too much time and that you have to spend to create what people are expect expecting today from a you know quality game because expectations are you know going higher and higher for every every game that that is coming out um because things are getting better unreal is getting better unity is getting better computers are getting better so people expect different you know levels of quality than they did before um so it's a really really tough and big project to create your own game engine that's you know i think that those my those are my two cents on the whole on the whole thing and as a summary for for the whole i don't know if you feel differently uh no i just want to add two things for it uh one of the things is if you if you're going for your own game engine then you whenever you want to hire someone you're probably going to have a, uh they're going to have a hard time getting into the game engine because they need to read up on a whole lot of uh, documentation that being said of course uh it's a fun thing and Having your own your own thing can actually add value to your company. Just look at Dice and the uh, the Frostbite engine. Uh, yeah. And the second thing that I want to say is that if you have you you're almost touching on it. If you have a specific use case, say you're you want to specialize in RTS games, then you can build your game engine around that and optimize stuff uh, for RTS, which the Unity engine or the Unreal engine don't really do because they're general purpose game engines. Yeah. So true. there's a trade-off. Yeah. If you're really into RTS games and you're really just going to do RTS games for the next 30 years, then by all means, create your own game engine. Nice. Yeah, then, uh, that was, that was my, those were my two cents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then um, with that, we can end. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to you, Max. Yeah, thank and you, Josie. Listeners. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you next week. Yep. Yeah. Have a nice week. Bye bye. Bye bye.